So we're back with the third installment of our special series for Filipino American History Month. So episode one was yours truly. Episode two was Geek Girl Gabby Tobe. Um, and I'm so excited for our next guest. So Corazon Rizal is a Filipino American cosplayer. And I'm so excited to be talking to her for so many reasons. Um, not just because she's a fellow activist, um, but she's a cosplayer and with with a really unique cosplay style that is very retro and pin-up-y, um, which I think is just so cool. So uh, Corazon, welcome to Geek Prime. And um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Um, so, yeah, I am a Filipino-American. I was raised in America, but um, was very much inspired by costuming in general. My mom and my uh, aunt were both dressmakers and made, like, very intricate Filipino dresses um, and was all very, like, retro style as well, like, in very 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it just kind of inspired my style and then also the fact that I'm a total geek. Um, I just like to combine my fandom alongside my pinup and retro style um, that I pretty much inherited from my parents and my, um, my aunt. That's so cool. So since you said you're a total geek, what are your top five fandoms? Ooh, okay. Um, so Doctor Who is probably my biggest fandom. Um, I'm just super excited by the fact that we have a woman doctor and I've cosplayed 13 a couple times. Um, and I would say uh, Harry Potter would be number two, Star Wars three, and um, Disney, I guess, can we, can we do Disney as four? And Marvel as five. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you're you're in good company um, yeah. here. Yeah, honorable mention for Studio Ghibli. What's your favorite Studio Ghibli movie? Um, Kiki's Delivery Service. I move a lot, and I think that just resonates with me, just the idea of moving to a different place and building your own community and um, feeling out of place, but then, like, finding your own tribe and your or your own crowd in the end. So I always watch it at the beginning of every move to make me feel better about the fact that like I'm a little bit lonely because I'm in a new place. So yeah. That's such a great idea, especially for like, you know, I I feel like everyone's super mobile these days. I mean, just because the the nature of, you know, the internet and the new workforce, like I feel like everyone's a little more mobile and I think that that's so cool. Um, But I also, I imagine as someone who has like never left the tri-state area, um, you know, I imagine that it, it, it can be a little nerve wracking to embark on that adventure. So that's really cool that you sort of found a fandom that like sort of is your, your, your beacon or your, your, you know, solace, you know, when, when you're feeling a little lonely, let's just go back in time. Let's go back to your sort of geeky origin. So what was your first geeky memory? What was your first sort of exposure to, to fandom? Hmm. I think it was, it was Disney most definitely. Um, I think I was, I became very obsessed with Aladdin and I think it was because Princess Jasmine was the first Disney princess that looked remotely like me <laughs> and like a Filipino. And the fact that Leah Salonga was um, voicing her and, you know, the music was huge for me as like a Filipino American growing up in the 90s. And so um, it's quite embarrassing, but I definitely um, dressed up as Princess Jasmine as a kid at family reunions and sang a whole new world, like both Aladdin and Jasmine, because I did not have an Aladdin as a 
I think eight-year-old, but uh, yes, I so I that's like my like Disney, Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, totally identified with that. Also identified with like Beauty and the Beast because I am like really geeky and academic-y and Belle. Um, like the fact that she could read and walk was like huge with me <laughs> and I wanted to read and walk <laughs> and I would practice in like the playground. So those are like my big, like geeky or Yeah. I'm, I'm a big reader too. And the, the, until you brought it up, I didn't realize the reading and walking is hard. I, I can't do it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's cool that we had a hero. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yes. So I know a lot of people that, that listen to us, they know what cosplay is. They're very familiar with cosplay. I mean, Geek Prime posts a lot of cosplay from all of the conventions that we go to all across the country. But can you sort of define cosplay? Like, what does it, what does it mean for you? Cosplay for me is... For, it's almost... It's, it's a superhero costume for me. You know what I mean? It's like um, a reflection of just all the things that I want to be and a reflection of who I am. Um, but extra fancy and like just super hero or, um, or villainous or whatever I wanting to like project out into the world. Um, it's very like similar to drag is for like the LBGTQ community. And that like, I always think like RuPaul always says like, we're all naked and the rest is drag. And that's, that is for me. Like, I think we're all naked and the rest is kind of cosplay. Um, but it, it's basically just like a reflection of me and um, and who I want to be, especially um, with all the characters that I choose. That's so interesting. I've never heard somebody compare cosplay to drag. And now that you've explained it, that makes so much sense. So, yeah, that's that's a, an amazing perspective. Um to, to bring to it. So how, how did you get into cosplay? Uh, so serious cosplay, I got into it through the work that I did with Geek Girl Brunch. Um, I joined Geek Girl Brunch in, I think, 2015. Um, I started the Cleveland, Ohio chapter, and uh, HQ was wanting a um, social media manager. And I uh, was very much exposed to the cosplay world through that work of running their Instagram and, you know, writing blogs for them and whatnot. And um, at brunch, everybody like they don't cosplay and everybody cosplays, but they like wear their geekiness um, through everything, like through either through t-shirts or what their, how their hair is. And, um, and people would share these amazing cosplays. And since I was a geek girl brunch officer and social media manager, you have to be pretty visible at these restaurants or these venues. And so cosplay was kind of a way of just saying like, you know, if you're going to the anime um, brunch, you just look for Kiki um, from Kiki's delivery service in the back. Or if you're going to our villains brunch, you could find Maleficent. And so um, I was kind of just that way so that people could find me. But then I got really into like the characters and started going to cons. And so I'm relatively... I've been in like the pinup scene ever since, you know, the early 2000s, but cosplay is something that's relatively new to me and it's all thanks to Geek Girl Brunch. You mentioned that sort of you you've been doing pinup um a little longer than you've been doing cosplay. So what what was it about the pinup genre that that you were attracted to? 
Um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest where like the thrifting scene is pretty huge. And a lot of like 60s and 70s clothing was pretty easy to find in thrift stores in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so that's what drew me in. And then also Gwen Stefani was in no doubt was so huge in that time. I think like Tragic Kingdom had come out and um, and she had like a bit of a pinup vibe as well, being a California girl. So like that just really inspired my style on top of the fact that my parents had, you know, were very like they dress they still kind of dress retro to this day um and mentioning my aunt who was also a dressmaker they also have like a retro vibe as well so those were like all my major influences for pinup and the way that I dress between your your mom and your aunt you probably have like tons of authentic super stylish vintage pinup clothes Oh, yeah. With like a Filipino flair. Like we have several Filipinianas in our closet and um, it's a shame I can't wear them anymore. But um, I grew up, you know, being forced to wear Filipino dress a lot and hating it. And now I'm like regret that I didn't enjoy it as much because now I can't fit into all that stuff. (laughs) Actually, you know, that's that's pretty interesting. So can you talk a little bit about your Filipino heritage? You know, us as, as Filipino Americans and, and growing up on different coasts um, might have a different relationship with our our culture. So can you talk about, you know, your Filipino heritage and, and your relationship with your culture and and how much you were exposed to Filipino culture growing up and and um, and in what ways? Oh, a lot. So I grew up in. Um, south of Seattle um, in the Tacoma Lakewood area and um, in Washington State. And there are a lot of Filipinos here. And in fact, um, you know, growing up, up until I went to elementary school, I mostly interacted with Filipinos and just family members and aunties and uncles that were, you know, family friends, but we still call them aunties and uncles. Um, mm-hmm. And was, you know, encouraged to Filipino dance um, and, you know, do that sort of costuming, do Filipino uh, fashion shows. Uh, my mom's also a uh, Filipino chef, retired. And so she, you know, I ha- I'm always eating Filipino food at home. And in fact, I'm visiting home right now in Washington, and it's like rice three times a day, and I'm not used to it, like now being more westernized after like leaving the home. But yes, Filipino culture was like a huge part of my upbringing. And I think that's also why like outside of Disney, I was very late on the geeky uptake. Like I didn't watch Star Wars until I was in high school. Um, I didn't, I was pretty late to the Doctor Who uh, and anime fandoms too, because I was just so entrenched in this Filipino culture growing up in Washington state. Interesting. So do, do you know how to do the tinickling? I used to. Yes. <laughs> not anymore. I'm I, not that quick anymore. So my dad is like one of those like super paranoid dads that think like, you know, that everything in the world is trying to kill me. And my dad was like, absolutely not. You cannot do the tinickling. I am not letting them teach you the tinickling. I do not want your like foot to get taken off by a bamboo <laughs> stick. Oh my goodness. No, like a pro, like a pro, pro uh, tinickling 
bamboo handler will like know when you're about to get snapped and will stop because I'm very clumsy and I even though I did the tuna clean growing up and like there were a few times where they had to save me um from getting my foot slammed because they knew oh my goodness I hope you get a chance to do it at some point it's it is a lot of fun I still have it I think it's on my bucket list on that topic uh, do, how much do your parents know about your, your cosplay and, and, um, you know, how do they react to it? They're super supportive. And I think it's also due to the fact that, you know, I have an aunt that was a dressmaker and I have an uncle who was very much into like Halloween and costumes. And he was always making, um, homemade costumes and asking my mom to do, um, couples costumes with him, with her. And, uh, it's, so yeah, they're super, super supportive. Sometimes they don't get the reference. Like my mom, my dad still to this day thinks a TARDIS is like a um, a porta potty every time um, <laughs> I show him of a photo of a TARDIS, and I'm like, no, it's a time machine, and I'm trying to explain this to him, and he's like, no, but it looks like a porta potty. Uh, but they're <laughs> super supportive, and when I told them about my pinup name, which is named after two uh, Filipino figures, uh, Corazon Aquino and Jose Rizal, they were extremely proud. Um, because Corazon Aquino is the first woman president and Jose Rizal is like a huge revolutionary figure in the Philippines. So, um, and my dad was a history, um, has like huge history buff. So he was tickled by that. And my mom just loved how the name sounded. So they're super, super supportive of the cosplay and the pinup. They just don't get it all the time. So like, for instance, like with Doctor Who and Star Wars. That makes total sense with your mom being a dressmaker and just like the amount of of creativity and craftsmanship that goes into cosplay. So what was your very first cosplay ever? Huh, I think my very first cosplay was um, like very, very basic, like her universe purchase, which is why like I'm part of this organization in Nashville called Cosplay Collective. Um, and people are, are so intimidated by starting to cosplay. And I always say you have to start from somewhere. And I started with like a her universe TARDIS dress and like a fascinator um, for a geek girl brunch uh, in Cleveland. And I still have that outfit and I still like wear it from time to time. Um, but yeah, very, very bare bones and just like, you know, bought from the store uh, just to get my feet wet. What was your most complicated cosplay you've ever done? Most complicated cosplay would have to be be a tie between Wreck-It Ralph Moana and Wreck-It Ralph Mulan. Um, just not, not very used to uh, casual cosplay and like having to, I think you have to really get into the character for it to translate because it is so casual. Um, so while it's like easy to put the pieces together, um, you really, really have to embody the character so that people who haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph uh, to can notice you and get the reference. I love that you're also a fellow Moana fan. I, I like I cannot even describe like what it meant to me to like to see Moana when they said that they were going to have like a basically a Pacific Island princess. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I screamed. Like I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me ever <laughs> so oh, yes. like Moana is like my bread and butter for my cosplay I love her what was your favorite cosplay of all time that you've done 
I think just like my traditional Moana for sure. Um, I, she's like a big hit. I I really do love my Mulan, but I um, I do a lot of cosplay for children, and nobody recognizes her except for the parents oh. now, and it breaks my heart because she is my favorite Disney princess. Um, but I love Moana just because of like the responses I get from the children, and um, I get to really get into character because like they really believe it, um, and. It's fun also doing it in Tennessee where people are just like, oh, I've never seen a Moana cosplay out in the wild before or I've never seen a Mulan one. So it's it's interesting being a, you know, um, a Filipino-American cosplayer in the South because they don't see these characters um, out in the wild to see them on the screen, but they don't see them at cons as much. So people get super excited. So Moana is definitely my favorite. What was your least favorite cosplay? I know like every every cosplayer that I know and that I've talked to has like these stories of like a cosplay gone wrong or like a cosplay they like put together like two hours before a con. So what was your least favorite cosplay? Oh, that's easy. Um, Oswin Oswald, uh, my like first iteration of her back like when I was starting to cosplay back in Cleveland from Doctor Who. Um, I think I, you know... It's from it's from that episode, um, Asylum of the Daleks. Um, I think season six, first episode, and she like traces a line between sexy and cute. And I think I just you know I bought this like American Eagle body con that hugged in all the wrong places, and it was more <laughs> sexy than cute. And I just felt really self conscious in it. But I had spent so much money on it that I just kept wearing it. Um, whenever I did like a Doctor Who cosplay and it just made me really feel self-conscious and did not like it. it ended up upgrading it and I think that's like a huge lesson in cosplay is that you're like always think about your costumes as like you know uh, and always a work in progress and I don't think I had that attitude back then so I felt like I was like married to the concept um, and but once I let that go and it was like okay it's time to you know find another dress that I'm more comfortable in that's more true to the character um I enjoyed that cosplay a lot. But yeah, definitely my first iteration of um, um, Oswin Oswald. That's that's really great advice, though, for people who are struggling with, with their cosplay, like to think of it as like, this is a work in progress. This might not be the final iteration, but it's the it's the iteration that I have right now. So I think that that's, that's really good advice for, for people to hear. What is your dream cosplay? Like, like if the cosplay fairies came from the sky and we're like, we're going to make this cosplay for you from like all the most premium materials that we could find, like, what would you want to be? Well, I am working on a Nagini from Fantastic Beasts. Um, but I have a feeling the first uh, the first version of it is not going to be what's in my head. So I just basically want to nail that dress that she wears in that movie down. Um, and I've always wanted to do like a Mandalorian. And I've seen like Moana Mandalorians and Mulan Mandalorians. Um, so I think I would love to do like a Disney Star Wars mashup. So if I had to like really ask the cosplay fairies for something, it would definitely be a Mandalorian for sure. Yeah, that's a complicated yes. outfit. So yes. yeah, lots of I imagine lots of warbler involved or something. 
Oh yeah, no, and I want to like I'm I have other uh, cosplay plans to learn how to use Warbla, but like not to that extent. That's probably like a few years down the road. You you go to a lot of conventions, uh, like like we do. So, what is your absolute favorite convention of all time? I think my favorite convention has to be um, it's like a local one. It's the Nashville Mini Maker Fair, um, which was last weekend because it's like part convention part maker fair part science fair part everything and so um people really respond to the cosplay there for sure because they're not expecting it and also you get there and you meet people from like all walks of life who are not necessarily in the geeky fandom but they have a lot of knowledge that you could take when it comes to building or making uh cosplays or other crafty things that's pretty cool. I've never heard of it. That's awesome. So like, what's the I've, I've never been to Nashville. Um, that is tragic. Because so many people that I know that have been to Nashville are like, Kim, this is like, you should go to Nashville, you would fall in love with that city. So what is the geek scene like in Nashville? The geek scene is very small, but very diverse. Um, everyone seems to, you know, know each other. And everyone's pretty friendly. Um, everyone also is just willing to help which is really huge so um if i don't know for instance i'm trying to build a agent carter um captain america version from the comics and i don't know how to do because i do agent carter um from the tv series and from the movies and i just want to like continue that you know (laughs) storyline um and like foam armor is just like one of my biggest weaknesses but like there have been like several people there that are just like I will be, I'm happy to take a few Sundays out of my schedule to help you do this. Or, um, you know, we have a Ghostbusters of Tennessee and Nashville and I, and they've been really, really welcoming to, you know, all genders, all backgrounds as well. And they're very helpful too, uh, when it comes to like building your costumes and, um, probably like the, one of the friendliness, if not friendliest, like rebel legions and 501st that I've come across too. Um, so like very like Southern hospitality, um, and very, very friendly. It's definitely what I would describe the geek scene in Nashville. Also just very much growing because I think like 50 to 80 people are moving to Nashville every day. So I think it's, it's growing more diverse and bigger, um, as you know, as the days go by, because it's just the city is growing itself. Yeah, no, I it's like one of the most like rapidly growing, rapidly changing cities in America. Usually our travel, it like aside from our personal travel is like dictated by cons. So it's I wasn't familiar with any conventions that happen uh, in and around Nashville. But now that you've given me some ideas, I guess we'll check it out. Or even just like stopping by after or maybe before Dragon Con, because I feel like Dragon Con just wipes everybody out. So, yeah, it's because we're only three hours away from Atlanta. And I think that's our biggest con in the South um, that everybody goes to around here. I haven't gone yet, but it's in my like bucket list for sure. You haven't been to Dragon Con. You should you should go. And I know that that's like, like a very loaded like statement. You should go to Dragon Con. But like, I feel like you as a cosplayer, I mean, like. Dragon Con is some of the most like I don't I don't even know what, if there's a word for it like the most exquisite cosplay that I have ever seen like these people like and and we've interviewed some of them like these people like 
plan for their next Dragon Con cosplay the minute that this year's Dragon Con is over. Like it's it's insane the amount of like thinking and and organization like so many group cosplays that are like so amazing but like people like just building things like there there's like so much like mechanical stuff involved like there's lots of like retractable wings and there's stilts and there's like all that crazy stuff but like that you 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 know you sometimes see at the other conventions but usually there's just like one or two and like when you know when you see that when you see it you're just like whoa that's crazy but then it's like then you go to dragon con and it's like literally everybody like has pulled out all the stops like they everyone has been like working on their cosplay like 365 days a year it's definitely my favorite time to be online, for sure, because you see so many viral moments for Dragon Con, and I just can't wait to be able to, you know, witness them in person. So hopefully next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. I really, I really do think you should, you should go. Um, but also, just like prepare. I don't know if you're a drinker, because um, not everybody is, but it's just if you are, prepare your liver. yes i am and i've heard that too like it's just a i hear it's just like a total party the entire time and i just can't wait um and yeah i'm I'm preparing my costumes for that next year and i'm hoping that it was it didn't work out this year but i'm hoping it'll work out next year like i said fingers crossed i feel like you should definitely go i feel like you would absolutely um absolutely love it um so you are a a huge climate change activist. You know, I'm interested to see does does any of that activism influence your your cosplay? Like do you do you try to make cosplays out of sustainable materials? Do you find yourself thrifting um for for some of the pieces more? How does how do those two worlds come together? I think that um you know, pinup and like retro style also just goes hand in hand with sustainability when you're buying vintage or you're, you know, buying, you know, buying even just like reproduction um, secondhand, which is what I do. Um, I definitely don't buy new as much as I used to before um, when I was starting out. Now that I know how to sew and I know how to make um, garments. So, yes, I definitely take that into consideration. Um, we have quite a few uh, thrift stores that are arts and craft based where you could just go in and get used fabric um, by the bolt. And so I try to start my, uh, my builds using that um, or asking friends, you know, that have, cause I feel like every cosplayer or every seamstress has fabric lying around that they're not using. So just like asking yeah. friends. Um, and then if I don't end up building it. I try to, you know, I have text alerts on eBay and on Poshmark um, for things. I I really try not to buy anything new unless I really have to. Um, Because yeah, that's definitely like sustainability and climate activism definitely influences what I do. And even like, maybe that's also why I love Moana so much too, because I think that this goes hand in hand with like conservation and, um, sustainability as well through that movie so yes definitely influences how what i do oh my god you're like you're like a real life moana (laughs) (laughs) i can't swim but yes (laughs) (laughs) that's well technically she didn't really either she mostly paddled a boat (laughs) so 
I guess you don't need to know how to swim. Um, but yeah, just to to sort of wrap things up. So, is there anything, um, any projects or any appearances or anything um, on the horizon that you'd like to plug, or even just like your social channels or where people can find you? Yeah, um, you could find me at, at Miss Corazon Rizal on Instagram. And um, also Miss Corazon Rizal Pen Up and Cosplay on Facebook. And uh, like I mentioned before, I'm with the Cosplay Collective in Nashville. And we do lots of appearances throughout Middle Tennessee and at, at, you know, at, the, at the zoo during Halloween and at hos- local hospitals. We also work with Make-A-Wish. So you can definitely catch me at um, Cosplay Collective events if you're ever around Middle Tennessee. Do you have any sort of parting words, anything you'd like to say just because it's Filipino American History Month? Um, so any any words for fellow Filipino geeks or people who are not necessarily Filipino, um, but learning about the culture um, via this podcast? Um, I think Filipino uh, and Filipino American fans are like some of the most passionate that you'll find like when um, Endgame came out, like they were talking about how they broke movie sale records in the Philippines um, because they were just so passionate. And so, um, and I, I also, so just like, you know, like take some time to learn about like Filipino American culture and how it kind of intersects with fandom. Like I, I'm still learning. Like I didn't know there was like a Filipino American wonder woman named Darna and that um, the designs from black Panther um, um, were inspired by a lot of Filipino um, design and Baguio. Like there's just so many layers of um, Filipino culture in the fandom. And um, because of like that passion that we have for things. um, So I would encourage people to kind of, you know, dig through and see where like Filipino Americans and Filipinos really inspire different fandoms. Cause you'll find a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and that's great. And that's, that was absolutely perfect. And you brought up some really, really great points. I, I mean, I'm now I'm like, you know, kind of itching to like look up all the sort of Filipino inspired designs in Black Panther because Black Panther is my absolute 100% favorite Marvel movie of all time. The story, the character, the culture, the the topics, even these like controversial complex topics, the way that they were able to um to to sort of have that dialogue um, that I think a, a lot of a lot of Americans have been wanting to have um, to have that dialogue, um, but in a way that was um, engaging and, and and entertaining was just like nothing short of a miracle. Um, that I think that movie was, yeah, that movie just like oh, it was so good, it was amazing. So I'm like dying now, just I'd like to to learn from you that there's like a Filipino connection there. I'm just dying to research it now. Yay! <laughs> I'm glad to hear. <laughs> Yeah, so you taught me quite a lot, um, and I I hope you, um, you know, I hope our listeners have also learned a lot from you. I think you have an amazing, interesting story and and a really amazing, interesting perspective. Um, And I just wanted to thank you again for for talking to us at Geek Prime. Oh, yeah. Thank you for inviting me.